Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. I'm your host, Jordana Levine. If you are listening on the day this podcast drops, happy Boxing Day to my friends in the Southern Hemisphere. If you're listening to this in the Northern Hemisphere on the day it drops, um, maybe you have run away to lock yourself in your bedroom um, because I believe it's Christmas Day there. Merry Christmas. If you do not celebrate Christmas, happy holidays. If you do not celebrate holidays, happy December. And if you're listening to this a little bit late, perhaps in the new year, happy 2023, my friends. If this time of year is difficult for you, and I know that it is for a lot of people, um, I am sending all of my love to everyone who is struggling at this time or not feeling particularly festive. I see you. I send my love to you. Today, I have... An interview episode for you, and it is with a very Cancerian guest. Um, And before I introduce you to her, I just want to tell you a little bit about what's going on astrologically this week. The sun, of course, is in Capricorn. If you missed last week's episode talking about Capricorn season, then please go and listen to that. Um, If you're listening to this on December 26th, The moon has just entered Aquarius, which means you might feel inclined to either immerse yourself in a community or group of like-minded people, or the other alternative is that you're desperate for some freedom and independence. I'm feeling maybe it's going to be the latter considering this time of year. There is a stellium in Capricorn at the moment involving Venus, Mercury and Pluto. The most basic interpretation of this is to remember there is power and potency in your words. How you choose to use that potency is up to you. This stellium could also influence transformation or change within your relationship and or finances Um, remember to always communicate with compassion and integrity. It is a Capricorn stellium, so do try and recognize and acknowledge your feelings in the process. We know that Capricorn can forget to do that sometimes. Now, it's kind of creeped up on us. Um, Usually I would do a whole episode on this, but I don't think 
I need to. I might mention it again when we get to the Cancer full moon. But on December 30, Mercury's going into retrograde. I don't know if that's a surprise to some of you. Surprise! Um, it will be retrograding until January 18. Now, if you joined me for the Align with 2023 um, workshop, I made a mistake in the PDF and my notes. And I said that Mercury retrograde was going until the 28th of January, which is wrong. It's going until the 18th of January. I must have typed it wrong when I put it in my notes. So I'm so sorry about that. The the period for this Mercury retrograde is definitely December 30 to Jan 18. It's happening in the sign of Capricorn um, and it will begin its retrograde at 24 degrees Mercury and retrograde to 8 degrees Mercury before stationing direct and then going back the other way. The theme for this particular Mercury retrograde will be around career, I would say. That's the Capricorn element to it. And remember, retrogrades are all about getting introspective and reflecting. So when I say it's around career, what could be a good thing to do during this time is maybe reflect on whether your needs are being met at work, whether you're happy at work, whether you're passionate about it, if it's something you want to continue doing. Um, if you're working within your own business, it's a really good time to kind of um, have some like big picture goals and some clarity and vision. We spoke about that in the Capricorn season episode. This Mercury retrograde is actually a really good time to do it. Perhaps even reviewing what worked for you in 2022 and whether you want to implement that again in 2023 or whether it's time to make changes. Um, for more of a personal look at how this particular retrograde will affect you, have a look where Capricorn falls in your chart. Have a look what house it falls into. If you have your sun, moon or rising within 8 degrees to 24 degrees Capricorn, Cancer, Libra or Aries, then you will likely feel the effects of this retrograde. Um, the other signs that will feel this retrograde, I mean, we're all going to, let me be clear, but these signs will probably feel the effect more than the others. So that's Capricorn, Cancer, Libra or Aries, Sun, Moon or Rising within 8 degrees to 24 degrees um, or Gemini and Virgo. Now, those signs are ruled by Mercury. So when that planet is dormant, um, it can feel extra Mercury retrograde -y. Um, if you have a Gemini rising or a Virgo rising, it means that your planetary ruler is Mercury. Yeah. So the ruler of your entire chart is Mercury. So when Mercury is retrograde, yeah, things are going to feel like they're really slowing down and you will likely feel it a lot more than others. Um, if you have a sun or moon in either Gemini or Virgo, you know, it's also going to be affected by this. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, remember, there's also a shadow period. Oh, so boring, but you'll likely be feeling it now um, and then a week or so after the retrograde ends. Um, the beautiful things to look out for during a Mercury retrograde are heightened intuition, heightened psychic awareness. Do take time to slow down. Do take time to be self-reflective. 
do triple check your itineraries, make sure emails have been sent, make sure your language is clear, make sure you're communicating clearly and it is being received the way that you intend for it to be received. Um, All right, that's enough about that. You'll be fine. You've done this so many times before. Uh, Today's guest is Jenna Black. Jenna is a multi-dimensional business and wealth mentor, psychic channel, and high-end healer. I really wanted to do this interview with Jenna during Capricorn season because I wanted to um, give you guys a way to think and reflect on business in a way that is feminine and luxurious and sensual And just different to the way that we sort of see business portrayed. We talk about so much in this episode, um, including energetic blocks in business, how to feel more worthy of receiving and feeling worthy of being seen within your business, discovering your major soul purpose, visibility, um, and how visibility can move in seasons. We talk about bloody loved this topic we spoke about wealth set points and how it can sometimes feel like there's a glass ceiling when it comes to how much money you can earn and we also talk about psychic awareness within business which is a passion topic for Jenna if you listen to this episode and you love it I would love if you shared it on Instagram you can tag me at Jordana Levine tag Luna Lover at Luna double underscore lover and tag Jenna at jennablack.co. I like to start off every interview asking my guest their sun, moon, and rising sign. Yes. So I am a Cancer sun. Okay. I'm a Cancer moon. Oh. And I'm a Taurus rising. Okay. And do you identify with these parts of your chart? Absolutely. I can't cancerian energy to me is me to a T. Yeah. I'm very mothering. I love the home. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'll just stay home and like, you know, make it nice. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, and the Taurus energy, that took me a while to see myself in it, but I really adapt to like the beauty, luxury, yeah. and just like a different energetic frequency that Taurians have. So Yes, absolutely. I mean, when I, we've never met before. This is the first time we've met. But when I look at your Instagram account and I look at your business, it's so Venusian, like it's so Mm -hmm. Venus, you Mm -hmm. know, and Venus rules, Taurus rules Venus. It's just that real, yeah, sort of like luxurious, sensual beauty. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love all of that. That's, that's my whole vibe. So yeah. And I've got Taurus rising but then with cancer I have cancer and all in my chart too I think cancer and mercury and mars too so it's just really strong yeah so it's been a beautiful experience of like uncovering all of those aspects and yeah beautiful yeah amazing all right so Jenna tell us a little bit about yourself if you had to introduce yourself to a stranger and let them know who you are and what you do what would you say I work as a business and wealth mentor But I always say that's like, you know, the pretty label that I use. And then underneath it, (laughs) there is the multidimensional aspect of me and my work. 
um, I work psychically and intuitively and on a very energetic level with my clients. So I support women, incredible women who are very soul led in their business. And I help them to really tap into their highest desires, their highest power, um, and to lead themselves, to really lead themselves from that point of power within them and create a business and a life that feels energetically rich. Firstly, I'm all about inner wealth first. And then also the impact of that, you know, the impact in their soul clients and their family and their legacy. So yeah, I work on, you know, a very psychic intuitive level. And I also love to bring that down into some of the strategy pieces too in business. But ultimately I found over the years that my work just comes back to that higher frequency, the energetic piece being the most important and working with women and to really call them back into their power and move from that space and everything shifts from there. So Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And like I said, we hadn't chatted before, so I didn't know anything about your chart, but I asked you to come on during Capricorn season. Well, when we're recording it, it's not Capricorn season, but it will be when it airs. And it's really interesting that your chart is so cancer heavy because mm. cancer is the opposing sign to Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wanted to bring you on is because, you know, Capricorn is sort of the sign of career and work. And a lot of the time it has these very stoic connotations to it, very hardworking, very head down, bum up, which Capricorn is. It's looking at the earthly kind of practical side of it. But I really love this idea of, of introducing the opposing energy, mm -hmm. which is cancer, and tapping into the intuition and the energetics and the psychic awareness mm -hmm. around the work we bring into the world. So, I mean, other than your natal chart sort of like leading the way for you, how did you get to this place? How, how did you end up here? Yeah, such a good question. It's like, how long do you have, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> all to, day. <laughs> right? I know, we could just chat all day. Um, yeah, I mean, when I look back on childhood in particular, I was always very intuitive, very sensitive. I was one of those little girls that was like, everything is so intense, right? It's like big yeah. emotions, highly sensitive, very empathic, um, very tapped in. You know, I would be communicating with spirit in my house and my parents just did not know what to do with me. <laughs> I think they didn't know how to handle all of that. And so a lot of that intuitive, um, sensitive energy that I naturally had I really shut it down for many, many years and, you know, followed the path of, okay, go to school, uni, get the job, do the things. And it was, I actually worked in the fashion industry for many oh, years, wow. about a decade yeah, out of school um, in all different ways, you know, uh, social media, e-commerce, freelance writing, different things. Um, and I found my intuition starting to come back around my solar return. Um, and it, I was thinking I was about 27 and it was very powerful, a very powerful time of me really looking at my life and looking at like, what is playing out here? And, and am I happy? Am I truly happy with yeah. what I've created? And I started to just hear my intuition again. It was almost like I had no choice. It was like my soul came in and like took me by the hand. It was like time to change, right? Like yeah. time to get out of this. Yeah. yeah, this is what happens during a Saturn mm -hmm. return. It's Saturn like, return, sorry. Yeah, I said solution. No, that's okay. It's like, are you on path? No. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let me let me guide you there. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you're 27 now and mm -hmm. <laughs> it's adulthood. 
Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So powerful. So I, I really felt guided by my intuition in a way where, I don't know, it was like this this energy just led me to make some really powerful decisions. So I quit my job. I studied as a health coach. I That was my first business was holistic health coaching. Um, and I entered the world of business like with no idea of what I was doing. I was just like, hey, I'm here and I'm selling the things. And, yeah. um, you know, I want to work with women and, and really help them with their their wellness and their health. And everybody in my life thought it was crazy. They were like, you know, don't quit your job right now. You're working in a really exciting fashion brand and you get to go to all the cool things and, you know, just all the outside influence. Um, and that led me into business and the world of business. But with that came all of my stuff. Like it was like, here's the healing journey. Um, and I was really faced with looking at the patterns from my childhood that I was no longer willing to carry and, you know, especially scarcity around money and not feeling connected to my power or my worth. And so that led me down a whole other level of discovering my soul work and what I'm actually here to help women with um, and to really be a guide for other women moving through these aspects too. Um, and so that naturally shifted my business away from health coaching into the work I do now that also took a lot of courage, but I just continue to trust my intuitive guidance with that. Um, I think that was back in 2016 when I made the shift into the work that I'm doing now, like bit by bit. And since then, it's just been a journey of continual growth and, you know, experience and yeah, yeah. all the things. So that's incredible. You know, I think health coaching is so interesting. It's such a gateway for people is. to discover what area of coaching they really want to be in. Yeah. I feel like health coaches sort of get this real kind of reputation these days on oh, health coach, but it really is for many people. It was the same for me. I did exactly the same thing. It was a real gateway into this idea of uh, working one-on-one -on -one with women, especially, and sort of working out what well-being means and like for you I guess it was well-being through business and wealth and and moving through those sort of scarcity mentalities and stuff like that yeah absolutely and I think that for me really the discovery into health coaching was to heal my own stuff first right and I think that's why it's then a gateway because when we pull back the layers as we heal really big you know when we're really looking at like our bigger trauma and like the, the deeper reclamation of our power it opens up so much like you know this is why I work in a healing capacity with my clients too because when we release those layers it does give us that heightened intuition that remembrance of who we are and what we're here to do and so it is a gateway and I celebrate that and I also celebrate my health coach friends who are still you know creating incredible success and impact through that as well it just was the it was a part of my path but it wasn't you know the future of where I was meant to go so so tell me what are some of the most common I don't even know if we can use that language I'll start there and then you can correct me but what are the most common energetic blocks people have when it comes to business yeah I don't usually use the word blocks because I like to play with the energy of looking at the 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 truth that we are assigning our identity to something that we think is our truth right but really there is another um energetic imprint that we can move from another belief that we can move from 
So I don't believe we're blocked necessarily, but that we're choosing our energetic intention is focused on upholding our old conditioning. Yeah. Um, in business, some of the energetic blocks, I mean, all, all imprints that come through and, and challenges that come through. I mean, there's so many layers to it, but when I work with my clients, a lot of it is really around the piece of receivership and being worthy of receiving being worthy of being seen that is a huge one like the visibility aspect like really standing in our power and creating what is in our soul's energy to create i i see a lot of the time when my clients move into more of their major soul purpose and you can feel that they're really discovering what they're here to do it brings up a lot of that shadow it brings up a lot of that energetic resistance because it often doesn't feel safe on a human level yet our soul is guiding us to it yeah um so yeah there's there's definitely the main the main patterns I see around visibility and then the receivership of that do I get to receive for what comes easy to me do I get to receive for my divine gifts and what I'm here to do um so that's a whole other layer that we look at can we talk a little bit more about the visibility thing? Because I, I know that I definitely resonate with it. Yeah. Why, why do you think it is so hard for us to feel comfortable being seen? What, what, what do you think stands in the way of that comfortability for people? Yeah. I think so often we grow up letting the outside influence us inward right so there's these outside influences coming in and then we're adapting that as our truth and we often put up these walls or these barriers um I used to say like you know from age maybe 10 to 25 I was wearing a filter you know like an Instagram filter but a filter on my life on my identity as to who I really was and I think that's because it doesn't feel safe based on what we've been told or what we've been modeled or who we've always been growing up to be seen without that filter on without that mask on and it really is looking at you know the outsiders influenced me in so now I get to move from the inner landscape and my inner power and influence that outward and that's the shift it's this reclamation of coming back to who we are and, and that deep trust. The trust piece is so important here. Building that self-trust, that self-knowing, that self-connection with our soul, with God, with the divine, wherever we feel present and like really landing back into that so that the influence is going outward rather than letting everybody influence us inward. Yeah. So I think it's this, yeah, these walls that we build up and these barriers that we build up to being seen for who we are because it's, you can't do that or you know you need to do it this way or this is who you have to be um and so we play with that and we we uphold that old energy until it gets exhausting right and, yeah and that's that's definitely a pattern I see too is that exhaustion yeah I, I think that's it I you know I often say to people when I'm talking about this this feeling of being seen I feel quite like most people, very energetically sensitive, I say, mm. but I guess it's empathetic. But I, you know, after doing something, say like a launch mm. where I need to be very visible on socials and through my newsletters and all of that. And afterwards, I feel this almost burnout, this exhaustion mm. for having put myself forward um, 
so abruptly, I guess, or yeah. just really being seen in a way that I wouldn't usually be seen unless I was selling something or introducing something or, mm. you know, and it can, it can edit energetically exhaust you. So a practice for me lately is trying to be seen in the in-between moments as well. So there's yes. not such a contrast. Mm. Um, and I think also what's come up for me a lot lately around visibility is being okay with visibility sort of moving in cycles and seasons and yes. knowing that you can't possibly be out there and seen throughout, you know, spring, summer, winter and fall. A hundred percent. And that is my intention too. And that's something that I had to give myself permission to be okay with that I don't have to be on all the time. And that actually as well, another layer of that is looking at our businesses and treating our businesses as a business entity separate to us. Yeah. So often we're enmeshed in it too. And so we think that us showing up physically is, you know, we always have to be showing up physically to reach clients or have the success or the impact. But the more that I started to also separate myself energetically to my business entity and look at ways that my business can be present. My business can be magnetic. My business can be all powerful and always have a, a level of presence. And I get to then show up when my energy is the most activated and potent. That was a really big shift for me too. And that takes, you know, that's layered and there's many tiny tweaks that you can make to it. But I agree, like, you know, the seasonal energy is so important. And, you know, coming back to um, being Cancerian as well, I, I like to go into my hermit shell. I like to be in my own energy and receive what is next as well, right? And I think I fell into that pressure too of always launching and always being visible. And now I get to blend it in a way where it serves my energy. Um, and then also looking at launching and, and shifting the energy that we hold around launching too, you know, like, because yeah. we do get those visibility hangovers and it's like, oh, that was big. Like, how can we make it not so big energetically, but actually more intentional and sustainable? Yeah. Yes. Mm. And, and focused, I guess. Mm -hmm. I sometimes feel like in a launch period, I'm just like, yeah, you know, the place trying to get everything out there at once instead of just mm. directing my energy where it needs to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about the psychic channeling that you bring to mm -hmm. the work that you do? How does that work for you? Yeah, so that has been such an edge for me to step into that. And that's that visibility piece as well. So for me, I started to receive information as a young child. So as I mentioned, and then I shut it down. So it was really this like over recent years, like reclaiming that and I really had to allow myself to be in a lot of sacred space to receive and to know what I was receiving and also how I best receive and, um, you know, connecting with my guides and all of that and just like really creating this new focus to bring this into my business. And I knew that it was in service to my clients. And so I knew that then my edge was to accept it and be seen under that label and with everything that saying your psychic brings as well, you know, judgment from family and friends and all the things. Yeah. Um, so that was a whole other experience of moving through that. But ultimately I, I bring it into every aspect of my work. Really. I bring it into my launches and how I trust the flow of my launches. I bring it into my client work. Um, I, I bring it into my group experiences too. And 
bigger picture of it as well is I help my clients to tap into that for themselves. Yeah. So that was my next, that was my next question. Um, I think we all have, you know, psychic abilities, yeah. and strong intuitions, if we learn how to listen to it and trust it. What, what is the practice for you to get your clients to really be able to lean into their own psychic awareness? So there's a few different stages that I take them through. First, we need to clear the outside influences, <laughs> like I said before. So it's really looking at a new level of awareness and consciousness around what am I allowing in? Um, and so I, I invite them to go through, you know, sacred pauses and like sacred space and really creating this distraction-free ritual and practice. Um, and then on top of that, then we move into trusting how you best receive information, you know, looking back on moments where you're like, I knew that, or I, oh yeah, I heard that I felt that, or I knew, yeah, I knew that that would happen. Okay. What came through for you in that moment, looking at the past experiences, because we've all had them. We've all had that thing where I'm like, I knew I should have crossed the road and like moved away from that person or whatever it was. Right. Um, so gathering that evidence that you are psychic and that's that's one of the biggest things too is just saying I can trust myself I do know and then it's about knowing how you best receive um so for me I am clairvoyant primarily and then also claircognizant so I get a really strong knowing um but then I also you know we all have we all have the clairs playing out and we all have different levels but some of us have most of us have a stronger one or two so yeah I work with my clients around that and because ultimately I want them to work with me and I can help guide them into their business their wealth their personal power but I want them to walk away from our container knowing they can trust themselves and that they don't need to rely on me that's my ultimate goal is that they come back to their power so yeah that's so important Mm -hmm. I had someone um, ask me the other day how we distinguish between our intuition or our psychic awareness and our anxieties, our fears. What would you say to them? So often our anxiety and fear will come through at a very heightened, it almost feels shaky, right, or unstable, and it's quite loud. It's quite loud. So, you know, when we're about to show up on a live stream, maybe, and we're getting like that, ooh, and then your body kind of goes into that reaction. So that's an example. It feels loud. It's like, don't do it, you know? But then your intuition is very stable. It's very subtle. It's very grounded. It's actually a very calm receiving of it. Mm. And this is why it's so important to clear our energetic field and to be in a space where we can tap in before we really trust what we're receiving because the intuition is quiet and it will build into a stronger voice and a stronger knowing or, or feeling but when you're first starting the fear can be very yeah, heightened so it's also knowing how it feels in your body so when I receive something intuitively it it feels simply as is it's like yes I can trust this there's no um up and down kind of can I can't I <laughs> is this true is this not it's like yeah, it's a yes and if I really chose to trust what would it be yes right whereas the fear is or the anxiety can be very yeah shaky or loud and that sort of back and forth movement or is it isn't it yeah I love that that's a really beautiful way of explaining it 
Now, for many people listening, they won't be running their own businesses. They'll be working, you know, in companies or working for other people as employees. Can these same principles be applied to that environment? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I love working with, I often have clients come to me when they are desiring to start a business or they're desiring to step into their soul work more deeply. And I believe that everything we can play with in the entrepreneur field and the business field gets to be applied to personal life too. And yeah, I think it's really powerful when you take those principles because I think a lot of people feel pressure, like, do I have to have a business to create this or to be able to do this? No, we are all powerful and we hold that point of magnetism and point of power within us. And so um, my advice is always to have this practice of connecting to our soul, connecting to our higher self. Can you commune with with her? Can you be in presence with her and ask her, like, where am I going next? What is the next move for me? Um, what would I shift in this area of my life if I chose to trust myself? So, yeah. Beautiful. Can we talk about money? Yeah. Can we talk about wealth? Because I love money and wealth and <laughs> I always want yes. more of it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think we have glass ceilings when it comes to the amount of money we feel or we believe we can bring into our lives? And how do we break through those glass ceilings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like to call it our wealth set point. And we have a wealth set point, which is an energetic belief or understanding of what we are worthy of, of what we think we're capable of, of what we think we can create. And our wealth set point is simply from our conditioning, right? It's from our programming. And yes, we can change it. And yes, what I always say to my clients is it's already redundant. It's already redundant because the level that we're operating at, at that set point um, is based on our conditioning. It's based on our ego saying, this is what it is. And this is who I am. And this is what I'm worthy of. Whereas our soul resides in an infinite field of possibility. And I always come back to this remembrance that the universe is always expanding and therefore our capacity gets to expand with it. And the, the soul, our intuition will speak to us from that space, knowing that it's infinite. Whereas ego will come through thinking it's finite, right? We have a human experience. It's finite in this realm, but our soul knows that's not true. That's just the, what the human experience will tell us. Um, and so the soul knows we're infinite. So yes, we can change our money mindset, our money energetics, our wealth energetics, and there's so many different layers to it, but ultimately it's firstly knowing that we can change it. Yeah. And that that set point of what we think is, oh, this is just the way it is. Or, you know, I always had, um, you know, well, for our family, this is what we create, or this is what our experience is. Right. So This is what it has to always be, apparently, until I questioned it. So, you know, we we focus so much energy, I think, as well on upholding that old paradigm and upholding that old set point. And for those that choose to look at it from a really loving, compassionate perspective and from like an observer perspective as well and look at our, our beliefs and look at our life and look at our patterns with money and say, do I choose this? Does this feel like it's coming from soul? Does this feel like it's mine? That's what I kept asking myself on my money journey when I was first healing this was, is this even mine? Is this belief even mine? It's like, well, what would I choose 
instead. And that's really where it starts is unraveling all of it. And the unraveling process can be quite intense and quite layered. And it's so powerful at the same time. It's so incredibly powerful to see people reclaiming that for themselves and their lineage and their family. And yeah, Yeah. it's really beautiful. I I can relate to that so much. I felt exactly the same. I felt very stuck within the way it's been from my family always. They're their own limiting beliefs around money. And my Mm. parents both had very different limiting beliefs, but I took Mm. on both of them, you know? Yes. So for Mm. people that sort of haven't yet had that awareness or perhaps they're listening now and they're like, oh yeah, what sort of things do influence our money set point? Yeah, so parents, (laughs) our parents for sure, or our caregivers, you know, it could be grandparents, um, really looking at that initial family, that immediate family that you grew up in is the most important starting point. Yeah. And then also there's societal influence. Yeah. There is um, influence that we find when we go through school even and teachers or um, employers, right? So there's so many. It's really looking at everybody outside of me (laughs) and like what, what has been the core beliefs that I have been surrounded by because sometimes we don't get told things, but we see a parent modeling a behavior. And so we just subconsciously adapt that as a child. Um, you know, my dad was always, you've got to work really hard physically just to get enough. That was his main pattern. Um, and to also sacrifice for money, like a physical sacrifice. He worked outside on golf courses as a superintendent. So it was very hard labor. Um, and it was his belief that you had to really go, you know, for Capricorn season, it's like that old wounding of the physical hard labor. Um, So I had to really unpack that and look at, well, can I receive just by being, can I receive more from what comes easy to me, you know? And so all these layers that felt really uncomfortable. Um, So yeah, it's definitely looking at for those listening, like looking at your immediate family, looking at your immediate caregivers and also partners as well. And who we are around now, because that can bring up a lot. It's not always from childhood. It's also what's playing out right now in our life that, we can choose to reclaim so and also like you said like why does society and culture because like hustle culture was such a big thing for a long time and it's sort of just coming around now where it's like hey maybe it doesn't have to be like this and that real sort of like for me I have (laughs) I have a lot of space in my work days yeah I know like um you know, with past partners who are working their asses off and they'll Mm -hmm. call me halfway through the day and be like, how's your morning been? And I say busy, I say busy just to seem like I've been busy, but I really have, I really haven't. It's been quite cruisy, you know, but expectation that if you're not busy, then you're not working hard enough. And if you're not working hard enough, then you don't deserve the money that you're making. So, I mean, just little things like that, right? Right. And and they seem like little things, but they're very ingrained. Yeah. It's very ingrained in us, especially as women. It's like, you know, now we're we're mothers and we're career career women and we're entrepreneurs, and we're, but we get to also have that spaciousness and that pleasure and that ease. And I love that word busy because that was such a trigger for me too. I kept doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm busy. Or it's like, you know, my Nana would ask me, how's your business? Oh, I'm really busy, Nan, you know, but I'm not. I'm actually having fun and I'm looking after myself and I'm working with incredible clients that 
are easy, right? And it's fun and we get to co-create together. But that is such a foreign concept to so many people, especially the generations that came before us. And so it's on us to change it. It's on us to change it with our own individual power. And then it ripples out from there. So Absolutely. And that's such Mm -hmm. a beautiful way to look at it, isn't it? Like when you think Mm -hmm. about all of the limiting beliefs that you subconsciously picked up throughout your childhood and thinking about what you're bringing to the next generation with the work that you're doing now, whether it's through your own kids or just wider society. Exactly. Growing up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. So Jenna, tell me like, what are the different ways in which people can work with you? Like, how do you put your gifts out into the world? So I have so many different ways that people can enter into my world. I I have a podcast as well that they can listen to if they just want to get started with everything. Um, But I run different masterclasses and experiences. And then I have some different signature offers that I do. Wealth Seductress is my main money and wealth energetics program, which is really beautiful and such a, I just love the community in it. It's really powerful. Um, and then I teach other courses on sales energetics and, and psychic knowing in business. And then, of course, I have levels with masterminds and private coaching as well. Um, so, yeah, I like to I like to give options. And, yeah. yeah, there's there's all different ways that, you know, women can jump into my world and and walk beside me. I always say it's walking beside each other. Um, moving away from that hierarchy in the coaching space and really yeah. like co-creating something powerful together. I love doing that. life together. Yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Can we talk a little bit about sales energetics? And, yes. Because uh, I mean, I'm just so interested in that. I think, you know, I was a journalist for many years and before I started sort of writing books and working for myself, I did a lot of freelance work. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the scariest things about working as a contractor or freelancer is setting your rates. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think like even as I move into my own business now and I have courses that I run and, you know, readings that I do, I always find it really hard to set a price point on things because mm-hmm. I guess it comes down to the value of what you're giving the person, but mm-hmm. also feeling valued yourself mm-hmm. and finding a price that reflects that. So yes. how, do, how do you sort of work with pricing energetics and that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of thing sales energetics yeah yeah so number one is not looking at what other people are charging yeah, <laughs> that's okay. number one that's how we all start yeah, like it oh, is for this. yeah in the Facebook groups and you know on the websites yeah but so it's clearing the energy field first that's always my step with everything clear energy field yeah no outside influences so that you can be a clean channel for receiving what is true for you that's really um so pricing is Pricing is such a layered conversation and I love doing this work. Um, So number one, it's looking at, yeah, what is the price firstly that I can fully stand in? Because I think so often we want to default, like I should just raise my rates or I should, you know, maybe do this because that's the higher level that people are going to. But ultimately our energy is going to be selling for us, right? So the energy that we're owning that price point from is the most important thing. So I always say to my clients, like move incrementally if you need to. You don't need to just like double your rate out of nowhere. If your nervous system can't hold it and if your your you know body is freaking out in that process. So that's number one is to trust that it's okay to yeah. stand in the price right now that does feel embodied and integrated because that is the price that will be the most magnetic. And then there's playing deeper with that, looking at pricing, looking at the value of what we are creating. 
And this is where, you know, it depends on all the different offers that we have or products that we're, we're selling. But ultimately what I come back to is how does this offering create a ripple effect for my client? So how does it help them? What's the compounding effect of it? The compounding return on investment? Because I could work with a client for four months, mm. but it's not just four months. It's how do those four months set that client up for years and hopefully a lifetime of a new trajectory, a new level of power or alignment or abundance, right? So I price based on what feels very embodied and I can stand in it. And then I also like to like meet the edge a little bit and say, what is the price that reflects the higher compounding effect? Um, you know, I love to say that my, my offerings help my clients collapse time because I'm bringing my level of mastery into that. They get to access in with me in a shorter amount of time than maybe if they'd gone out by themselves, that they would have still done it, but it would have maybe taken 10 more years or whatever the timing would be. That's just an example, right? So we can help them really collapse time and access that um, level of alignment or integration or success or whatever it might be that we're, you know, providing. So it's, yeah, it's interesting because it's, pricing brings up so many emotions with it as well and so many different energies and this is where as well we get to move from okay the emotion I'm feeling here can I look at that from an observer perspective can I see that this is maybe a younger version of me feeling a little bit scared right now what would I let her know and if I chose the price that my soul my intuition is guiding me to choose and I allowed my body to receive that what would that naturally be and, you know, pricing is an evolution too. So it's it's really starting with where that does feel certain because the more certain energy we bring into it, it's neutral and stabilized. Yeah. And on the receiver side, our clients feel that too, right? Yeah. So it's really, it's really beautiful and very, very helpful for me because I know what I get caught in a lot when I'm trying to set a price point is mm. I forget about myself and mm. I always think about the client. But when I'm thinking about the client, I'm bringing my own story around money. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yes. I almost put myself in their shoes with all my money stuff, which doesn't serve them and it doesn't mm -hmm. serve me either, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think this idea of sort of, like you've said throughout this entire interview, like ignoring the external influence mm -hmm. and really sort of going into what feels good and what feels true and what feels centered for you and your nervous yes. system. So important. Yeah, absolutely. Because we can make judgments about what our clients can afford as well. And yeah. that's such a, a no-no because then we're placing our, as, as you said, our projections or our fears on the power that our clients actually have. Like they are all powerful yeah. all knowing and so when we stand in our price and we stand in our offer it invites our clients to stand in their power and to trust themselves too and I can't even tell you how many times I've had someone reach out where maybe me five years ago would have thought oh they can't afford it based on I don't know whatever I see on the yeah. their Instagram or their website and then they're the ones that come and they're ready and they're paying in full and you know so it's yeah. Changing our perception and reducing the ego, that's been a big thing for me, like turning ego down and turning soul up so that I can move from that space of love and faith and openness as well. So it's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you would like to say or contribute to this conversation before we wrap up around the work that you do? 
I think it's ultimately reminding your listeners, your incredible listeners, that they can trust themselves and that they do hold within them really unique divine gifts that only they have. And that when we tap into that and we give ourselves permission to be fully who we came here to be, even when it feels scary and even when we've been told to not do that or to change who we are, that we move into that and life just opens up from there. And whether you're in business or not, it's following that intuitive knowing, following that guidance um, and giving yourself permission to remember that you hold such incredible power and abundance is our birthright and we get to create that as well and experience that so that's beautiful thank you so much Jenna tell us the name of your podcast pleasure wealth power oh beautiful okay so pleasure wealth power people can go and listen to that and how in what other ways can people connect with you so on Instagram is such a good starting point. JennaBlack.co is my Instagram. I'm always on there. So send me a message if you listen to this. I'd love to hear. Um, and then my website, JennaBlack.co, is where you can find all my programs and have a peek of everything that I'm offering as well. So Beautiful. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been such a pleasure. I've learned so much about myself. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, beautiful. I love it. This has been so beautiful, this conversation. So thanks for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.